Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. This month's top agent is Carol Wolf with Rodeo Realty in Encino, California. Last year, she closed 30 homes worth $40 million. Her average sales price was $1.3 million, of which 20% were buyers and 80% were sellers. Last year, she had a two-member team, one administrative assistant, and one team leader. This year, she's mentoring three buyer agents. Carol's been an agent for 41 years. In this call, Carol talks about how she negotiates a higher commission than her competition, why she sells luxury homes, and a simple approach that you can use to move into the luxury home market, picking, expanding, and working her geographic farm, how she earned $1.2 million in GCI last year with a super high profit margin, traveling twice per year around the world, and how she keeps things on track back at the office, how she stays in front of her community with bus benches, sports banners, and movie theater trailers, working with her daughter and teaching her the ropes, team dynamics, profit margins, and more. First, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com that's free, referralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome to the call, Carol. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Hey, Carol. Thank you so much for joining us. Carol, before we talk about what you're doing today, let's go back for a minute and talk about what you did before you got into real estate. Right before I got into real estate, I was actually in real estate, but I was working in a real estate office in Beverly Hills. It was a small boutique firm. And I was kind of the office administrator. So I, I, I saw all these agents working there, making lots of money. And I said, hmm, I could do this. So I was kind of young, and I decided to get my license. And that's how it all started. When you started up, did you start working for the same company? No, actually, uh, there was a large company that just opened uh, a new office down the street. And I went there. A couple of the agents left that company, and we decided to go to that other company. It was a bigger company. That first year, if we can stay on that just for a second, the first year in business, did you have a fast start or a slow start? I had a fast start. Actually, in those days, I mean, we're talking the 1970s. Um, I started in 1974. It was like a big thing if you made the million-dollar club. And the million-dollar club meant you sold a million dollars worth of real estate in one year. You know, because homes were like, in Beverly Hills, were like 60000 80000 So it was a big thing if you made the million-dollar club, and I did make it my first year in the business. Do you recall how many closings that was the first year? Well, it had to be a million dollars, you know. So, I mean, the average houses were, you know, sixty, eighty thousand. 80000 So you can kind of figure it out, maybe 15 houses. 15, 20 houses. That is a very quick start. What did you attribute that fast start to? Well, they had good training, and I, uh, you know, when you're new, you just 
follow your instincts. And I think and I see a lot of the new agents today, and I know they're really gung ho. And there's all these basic things that you do in real estate to be successful. You know, prospecting, door knocking, farming, you know, all of these things. And it's it's the same now as it was then. And I just did those things and, you know, did floor time. You know, everything that everybody told me to do, I did. And so I became successful right off the bat. Now, you said you started in uh, 74. So what is that, about 41 years now? Yeah, I just completed my 41 years in this business. <laughs> I was <laughs> 10 when I got my license. That's my right. <laughs> That's what I tell all my clients. <laughs> but I don't feel it. I honestly, I feel very young, and I feel very youthful, and I, it's just a number, and I, I'm just as uh, competitive and motivated as, as ever. Last year, how many homes did you sell? Last year, I'd say probably about 30 homes and uh, probably about 40 plus million. Do you happen to recall what your GCI was last year? About 1.2 million. Do you remember your best year, how many homes you sold and what your volume was? Probably about the same amount, maybe 30 to 35 houses and maybe like 45 million. It was about three years ago. Let's talk about where you're at. Where is Encino, California? It's actually Encino. Encino is part of the San Fernando Valley. If you know the areas like Beverly Hills and Brentwood, which you often hear about in the news, we're just over the hill. So it's like a valley, and it consists of several small communities, uh, names like Studio City, Sherman Oaks, Encino, Tarzana, Woodland Hills. That's our valley. It's quite large, and... We could be our own city, actually, but we are a part of Los Angeles. But it's a really great location. Uh, it's about 25, 30 minutes to the beach. Uh, it's about an hour drive to the snow, a two-hour drive to um, Palm Springs, uh, a four-hour drive to Las Vegas. <laughs> so, you know, we can, we can go to the snow, we can go to the beach, we can go to the desert. It's all, you know, pretty close by. Do you know what the population is in your market area? The population in Encino, I just Googled it. It's about, uh, looks like in Encino, about 42,000. That was in 09. So, and let's see, population, San Fernando Valley, uh, about 1.8 million people. As you mentioned, that's part of the Los Angeles Metroplex. It's exactly. you know, Los Angeles' monster, and you're taking even just a section of it, and that section still has 1.8 million people. Right, and there's been a lot of talk about you know annexing away from Los Angeles and becoming its own city because it's, it's larger than many cities, and so, but, but they've never done it. Uh, but we do attract a lot of celebrities to our area, uh, it's a little bit less expensive than, say, the Beverly Hills, Brentwood, Bel Air, you know, market or, you know, Santa Monica, what we call over the hill. And so they can just come right over our little hill and they're in this valley. And, you know, we do have a lot of estates and we have a lot of celebrities because we're close to the studios. So it does attract um, studio people and professionals and families. I mean, everybody. Describe your current real estate market. Well, our market is pretty hot right now, so we pretty much don't specialize in any one thing. I mean, I just will handle anything. So it could be a $350,000 condo on the low end to a $5.5 million estate on the high end. And 
Uh, I do handle a lot of estate properties. I had the highest closed sale in Encino this year, which was five and a half million. That's why I mentioned that. But um, we also will sell a small one-bedroom condo, you know, in another part of the valley that maybe the prices are a little less. So we have a really wide range. I'm sure, you know, our price point is a lot higher than, you know, most of the country. But my average would be maybe 1.2, 1.3 million. So we, we handle everything from the low to the high. And our market is really good. Um, we have a lot of multiple offers and bidding wars on properties. Uh, many of our properties, when we bring them out, you know, we have like 10 offers. There's a lot of developers right now that are buying older homes on large lots, tearing them down and constructing new $4 and $5 million homes. So there's a lot of that, and I do specialize in that as well. So um, we have a lot of flippers in our market. They're looking uh, – so in other words, when you get a property that's like a fixer, you put it on the market, and you might get 10 offers from builders. They're all cash. They usually will close in two weeks. Um, it's a very competitive market. Your average sell price is somewhere around $1.2, million. Do you consider yourself a luxury agent? I do because I do have a lot of, you know, luxury listings, but I, like I said, I, I, I don't just specialize in that. I mean, I handle anything. I mean, if somebody calls me and says, you know, that their daughter's looking for a small condo, you know, I have a couple of buyer's agents on my team, so they'll, you know, help the buyers with that. So it's not like I turn any business away. You know, we have a lot of people who we've sold homes that, you know, multi-generational, you know, as uh, you know, the grandparents, the parents, now the kids, you know, since I've been doing this so long, you know, so we do get a lot of referrals and repeat business. In your market, how would you define luxury? Where does the luxury price point start? I would say probably maybe $2 million and up would be our luxury market in our area. So people can get a, a view, an idea in their head of the type of homes that you're selling. You said your average price point is about 1.2 to 1.3 million. What kind of property is that? How many square foot? What does it look like? So that people can compare that to their market. All right. Well, if I'm talking about Encino specifically, so a 1.2 to 1.3 house right now would probably be a house that might need some work, <laughs> as strange as that might sound. Uh, but, uh, it, it, I mean, there are some areas of Encino that are, let's say, are more estate neighborhoods, and so if it was in that area and it was on a big lot, but it was a house that needed some work, it could be in that price range. And, and the builders will buy houses for one, two, three, four, and tear them down and build, a, you know, a big estate. But, you know, we do have little neighborhoods where you can get, uh, a house for like 600000 700000 So when I say my average, it's because my average is because I also sell in some other areas of the valley that have lower price points. So that's my average. But, I mean, I do consider myself a luxury agent because I do have a lot of, like, you know, expensive listings. And, you know, right now I have a $4 million, I have a $3.5 million listing. So I, you know, I handle it all. Where some agents might specialize in a particular price, I, I don't. You specialize in a particular geographic area. Did you say you do geographic farming? I do. Um, uh, as I said, I, our valley's large, and I, you know, if I have a client that says they want to go to another part of the valley, I can help them. 
Uh, but my main specialty seems to fall in Encino just because I live in Encino and my office is in Encino and because I've become so well-known in Encino. So that's where I farm. Are you farming the entire city? All Was it 42,000 people? No. I farm just certain parts of Encino. I would say um, my mailing list is about, I think, 10,000 once a month. They get a postcard from me. Tell us a little bit about that. So you send out a postcard to 10,000 people once a month. What's on the postcard? Well, I've tried all different things. And honestly, I don't even think it matters what's on the postcard. Because what happens with the postcard is the people get the postcard every month. They look at it, goes in the trash. Look at it, goes in the trash. And then maybe three, four years later, ten years later, when they go to sell, they know me because they've seen my postcard consistently every year, every year. And that is combined with the fact that they see me around the community. They see my signs go up. They see the sold signs. They see my bus benches on the main street. They see me at the Little League field on the Major League field, my banner. They see me at some of the schools. I have banners. They see me at the theater in our uh, Encino area. When the movie's about to come on, there's an ad that's, you know, my ad. So they don't always remember where they see me because it's a subliminal thing. It's just like Coca-Cola, you know. I mean, you know what Coke is. Why do they advertise, you know? So it's just, it's the repetitive of seeing you. It almost doesn't really matter what the message says. But what I do usually put on my message is a list of my current sales, pendings, and active listings. And, of course, uh, you know, please call me for a complimentary market analysis. And, it's you know, graphically it's really nice. Our company, we have an in-house marketing department, and we have a graphics designer and, you know, great photography. You know, I have, you know, a theme. I have a slogan, and everything looks really, really sharp colorful so they get that every month since it's mainly image advertising you're getting your your image out there over and over again what is the image is it the image of your your team or your company or is it your picture what image do you want to burn in their eyeballs there it's really me yeah i don't really i don't really consider myself a team per se I have a full-time assistant who's licensed, and then my daughter works on my team, and I have two other people, and it's actually fairly new. So they mainly, like, sit on open houses and work with buyers, and I give them buyer leads because I just don't have the time to do them. And sometimes I don't want to do them because they're, like, lower-priced, and I'd, you know, rather concentrate on what I do best and go get listings. We're going to come back and talk a little more about your team in just a minute. So staying on your geographic farming and the postcards, you're putting your image on there. You said you're also putting statistics on there about sales pendings and actives. You also mentioned that you have a theme and a slogan. What kind of theme are you using? It's just a really classy looking card. I mean, it's, you know, my photo. I have a few different photos that I use, but it's like a full shot you know, of me. And it's usually me standing in front of the house, like opening a door or standing in front of, you know, the home and uh, very professional looking. And then next to that are are the list of houses. And the slogan that I have 
is nobody does it better. And I have that on everything I do. And that slogan is because I always strive to do the very best job for my clients. And that's kind of what I stuck with. How long have you had the slogan? Uh, probably 15 years, 10, 15 years. Do people mention it to you when you meet them? When I do a listing presentation, it's one of the first things I talk about. I tell them what my slogan is and, and what it means. That postcard goes out to 10,000. Did you start with 10,000? No, actually, I didn't. I started just in my neighborhood where I live, which has a, maybe 550 houses, and I've expanded it over the years to other parts of Encino. So it's you know grown up to, to that number. How did you decide which properties were going to go into that 10,000 list? I'd say I targeted the more expensive neighborhoods of Encino because there are some areas where you can get six and seven hundred thousand dollar houses. They're on smaller lots. They might be twelve hundred square feet or fourteen hundred square feet. While I might get a few of those listings, I you know more specialized in the in the higher price. You just mentioned that that lower end, you've got a twelve hundred four hundred square foot home. When you start to get into the two million dollar price range, for instance, how big is the square footage? What are we talking about? Oh, that would probably be like a 4,000-square-foot house, a 5,000-square-foot house, maybe on a 17,000, 18,000-square-foot lot. You start talking a lot about lot size. Is that important in your area? It is in some areas. Say, like, we have one area that's in the hills, so the lot size might be large, but the usable lot might not be. But in other areas where we have big flat lots, that's definitely important because, like I said, builders are buying the older houses that are, say, built in the 50s or the 40s and tearing them down because the land is, you know, people want the brand new luxury home with the home theater and all the bells and whistles and the new kitchen and all the bathrooms, you know, you know, beautiful. And there's kind of a trend right now in our area where everybody's into the Cape Cod, New England-style home. And so that's with a more contemporary interior, uh, but that's really popular with a large, you know, yard, maybe with a pool house uh, and a, an outdoor kitchen. This is what the buyers are looking for. You mentioned you just sold one of the most expensive properties in Encino. You said, I think, $5.5 million. Could you describe that property to us? What did that look like? Yeah, that was in the, the most expensive part of Encino. It's called Royal Oaks, and it was at the top of a street where it had 360-degree views of the entire valley. So you had the whole twinkling lights of the whole valley lit up at night. It was very private, gated. It had about, I think it was eight or 9,000 square feet. It only had four bedrooms, and it was formerly uh, owned by a celebrity. Not when I sold it, but a celebrity at one time had owned it. And it was a very modern house. It was kind of a, an unusual house. It was kind of what I described as the trophy house of the area because it, it had a specific location that you couldn't find. So it was very hot listing. It sold right away. You've called yourself a luxury agent. You like to work that into the market. Why do you sell luxury homes? I love homes. I love real estate and I love decor and I, I just really love it. And I do a great marketing job on those properties. So I just love it. And they're, you know, they're close to where I live. And so just kind of been a niche that I fell into. 
You started out in a Beverly Hills real estate office. Were they selling luxury homes there? Yes, they were. I'd say at that time, though, I didn't sell too many like luxury homes. You know, I was new, I was young, and many of the agents that sold the very expensive luxury homes in Beverly Hills, you know, they all have connections. And, and if you don't have connections and know the people, you don't get the business. It's probably the same now. Do you feel that you have made those connections and that's why you're able to work the, the higher prices? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a combination of the farming. It's a combination of the, you know, the visibility, you know, being in the area and they, them seeing the success. It's, and it's also referrals. Um, we, you know, get referrals from past clients, from business managers, refer us clients, attorneys, CPAs. So, Let's keep talking about the farm. You said you've got 10,000 pieces that go out. How do you mail those? Do you mail those by every door direct? Yes. Yeah, they're done through my company. They send them out for me. We actually print them in-house and they, they mail them. What size are they? Well, let's see. They're right on my desk. So <laughs> let's see what we got here. It, this, the, the current card I'm sending out is about 9 by 6. 6 by 9. So that's twice as big as a normal postcard. Yes. I've, I've actually sent out larger cards. But this, I, I like this size. I think it's, it's a good size. Like I said, they get it. They look at it. Most people, it just goes right into the trash. It doesn't really matter what it says. Oh, another card from her, you know? <laughs> sure. Do you mail out anything else? Is it just the one mail piece a month? It is. You said the other thing you do is more to work your, your farm is you're really working the community within that, that farm is within a community and you're working that community. You mentioned bus benches. What are you doing with bus benches? I have bus benches in Encino. On, like I said, they're on my, the main street, the main business street. And uh, I have about six of them. They're just pretty simple. They have my photo, and they have my website and my phone number, and I think it says number one in Encino Rodeo Realty. Did you strategically pick where those were going to go? Absolutely. How did you do that? Why did you pick the locations you picked? Well, we have a main street in our area. It's Ventura Boulevard, and so all the businesses are mainly on that street, but to get to your house, you kind of have to drive down. That's, you know, if you go to the market or you go out to dinner. So it's, you know, the, it's, it's the most visible street. And so I picked, you know, choice locations within that street. In fact, just the other day, I got an email from a company who wanted to know if they could take over my bus bench. It was a completely different kind of business, but they were opening up a business and they, you know, obviously they wanted the location. They wanted to know when my contract was up and if they could pay me money to give it up. And I, I told them no. It must be working for you. Do you get a lot of comments on the bus benches? You know, not really. I mean, it, it's not like somebody doesn't call me up and say, I saw your bus bench and I want to list my house with you. It's, it's, like I said, it's just a subliminal advertising. It's just because they see your name and they don't even always remember where they saw your name. It's just that you just become a household name. You become, you know, the name. And I mean, I get this all the time when I meet people, when I'm sitting on an open house, people come, oh, you're Carol Wolf. You know, I mean, they know me. I, I'm well known in the area. So it did work. All of these years is paid off sending those postcards every month. You mentioned other things you're doing is you have uh, banners at Little League games? 
Yeah, I have a banner every year. They, um, you know, when my son was little, he used to play it in Sino Little League. So I, you know, I I like to support them. And every year they ask me if I want to put my banner. So my banner's there all year, and it's on the major league field of the Little League. And so I have it there. And then on some schools, you know, they've approached me. And uh, just a couple months ago, I had an old client call me and said, you know, my son's playing soccer and could you put your name on our field markers? And, you know, so I do that. So, you know, whenever it's that kind of thing. I mean, I get asked all the time to advertise in different places, but I find it's best, you know, to do it right in within the community. You also mentioned in the movie theaters, it sounds like you have one of the ads that is running right before the movie starts. I do. We don't have a large theater in Encino. Uh, there's one... You know, there's a few, but they're like, you have to drive five or ten minutes. I mean, there's not one right in Encino. But we have a small theater that has a lot of foreign movies. They do have some first-run movies, but it's mostly a lot of foreign movies and a lot of seniors go to this theater. And so I have an ad on the screen, and then there's brochures in the lobby of the theater that I leave. And nobody's called – one person called, and I got a listing because of the theater, but I – when I go on my listing appointments and I tell them, you know, I'm in the, the theater, oh, yeah, we saw you there. You know, so it's, it's not like they don't remember where they saw you, but it's just like the combination of everything. But I did have one couple call me about a year and a half ago, and they had their house listed with another agent, and he was doing a really bad job. And they called and said, we saw you at the Lemley, can you come over? So their listing was expiring. It expired. I listed their property. I sold it right away. Then whenever the property closes, I always ask my clients to send me a letter because I, I have a whole file full of testimonial letters. And their letter when they wrote to me was, we remembered when we went to the theater that we hadn't sent you the letter. And it reminded us. <laughs> and they they sent me a, a glowing letter about you know their experience with me. So... That was the only one that I can say definitely came from that. <laughs> and I've been advertising in that theater probably, you know, five or six years. But I, I know it works, and I know people who go there see it. And, of course, people once in a while will tell me they see it. But it's just like I said, it's they don't know where they see you, but they see you everywhere. So, you know, and I, I people say that to me. I see your name everywhere. So I know that that works. You mentioned that you collect testimonials. What do you do with the testimonials? Well, I have them on my website, not the entire testimonial. I have, like, excerpts from them. And then I have a presentation uh, book that when I go on a listing appointment, I take with me, and I go through it, and I show them some of the letters. And I don't, like, read every letter to them, but I pick a few, and I, depending on, like, who it is and what the situation is, and I show them, you know, the letters that, let's say, would be appropriate to their situation so that they can understand what I did that made the difference, you know, you know, like it might be a letter saying, you know, we got multiple offers, it sold fast, you did a great job, you know, something like that. Or it's a letter from an agent selling his own house who knew every agent in town, but, you know, retired and moved away and picked me to sell his property or something like that. Or a business manager wrote a letter. We also leave a booklet with them and some of the letters are in the booklet. I've got to go back for a minute. The postcard that you're sending out to the farm, did you say that on there you put out a call to action that they can request a free market analysis? Yes. And do you get a lot of calls on that? Yes, I do. 
do you have them go directly into your phone or do you have them go to the website? Sometimes they go to my website and then there is a form on there that they can fill out if they want a complimentary market analysis or sometimes they just call into the office or they sometimes just email me because it's all on the card. Is that how you get the majority of the listings out of the farm is their call off of the postcard? Yeah, I'd say that's probably how we get the majority in the farm, Um, although sometimes it's because they see a house that's for sale, then they see it sells, and then they call me because of that, or they might walk into an open house because they're thinking of selling their house, so they want to see how we do an open house and what homes are selling for, so... You know, I always tell my team that are sitting on my houses, you know, if neighbors come in, you know, they could be kind of thinking of selling. So try to get us an appointment. Let's talk about your team for a minute here. You said that your team is a little bit newer. I think you were referring to your, your buyer agents. Is that true? That's correct. So how new are they? How long have you been experimenting with that? I had a couple of different buyer agents that I, I no longer have. But what I have right now is uh, I, I have my daughter, and I have uh, an, an agent who's been with me about eight months, and then I just hired a new buyer's agent. She just started. She was actually selling real estate in Colorado. <laughs> she just moved here, and she has her license in Colorado, but she's going to be staying here now, so she's living here now, so she just got her license. So, um, so I'm training her. The team is kind of new. How long has your daughter been working with you? My daughter's been working with me for probably five years or so, but she has two small children, (laughs) so they take up a lot of her time. (laughs) So um, now that one's in kindergarten and one's in preschool, I'm hoping that she's going to start working more. It's a good excuse for you to see the grandkids. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I love <laughs> <That's great>. that. <laughs> <laughs> so last year when you sold the, the 30 transactions, the $40 million, did you have any buyer agents helping you? I did, but very few. There were maybe only two or three sales that were with buyer agents. It's mostly me. You're doing the majority of the production individually, the sales side of the production, and then you have the, the one assistant that helps you with the paperwork. Do I have a, a good picture of the team? Exactly. And now you've brought in a couple buyer agents and you're, you're showing them the ropes? Exactly. Because you know, I like to take time off and travel a little bit more now. And I don't really have the time to take people around in my car and show them houses. You know, I, I, don't, I do it a little bit. I would rather have the buyer agents do it. So that's kind of the direction I want to go in with that. Are the buyer agents just doing showings for you or are they also negotiating the contracts for those buyers? They do not negotiate anything. I do all of that. So if they get a buyer and they show them around and then they want to write an offer, then I take over. So are they typically working just with your buyers? With your, you're working with your buyer's clients that you've referred over to them? Yeah, sometimes it's somebody that I give them or sometimes it could be somebody that walked into an open house that they met or somebody that they know. And I want to try to get them to do more prospecting. So, for example, the one young guy that I hired recently, like we had a listing, and he would go door knock around that neighborhood and invite them to come and see it, and then we just got another listing as a result of somebody that he knocked on their door. So the whole thing is I want them to bring in some more business, you know, to the team. Would you mind telling us how you compensate your agents? 
they're strictly on commission. They're licensed with my company, but I actually pay them. Now, we provide a lot of services. So, for example, like I do all the contracts and all the negotiations, so they don't have to do that. For example, let's say they got a listing lead. We went on the listing appointment and we got the listing. So they would be a 50% partner on the listing. And I pay for all the advertising, brochures, signage. We also have a company that we use that puts up our open house signs. And I pay for that. And so they just have to show up at the open house and the signs are all up all over the neighborhood, the directional signs. And then after the open house, they're taken down. So they get a lot of things included that they ordinarily would have to pay for as an independent agent. That's kind of how I like to work it. And so I give them 50% of whatever they do. And it's based on my split, which I don't really want to discuss that, but it, you know, it's a higher split than, let's say, a newer agent. So they're getting 50%. If it's a listing, they're getting 50% of the listing. If it's a buyer, we split it 50-50. How are you going about training the folks that are on your team? Are you having a monthly or a weekly meeting? Because I have new people, we've just decided we're going to start doing weekly meeting every Monday. And actually, a lot of things have changed just recently on my team because my assistant, who's been with me for over seven years, has decided to leave. <laughs> so I just, oh, boy. <laughs> so I just hired a new assistant, and she just started this week. So my old assistant is training my new assistant. <laughs> <laughs> and how's that going? It's great. It's great. It's going really well. Yeah. I got somebody, you know, she's very, very experienced, and I think it's going to be just perfect. Have you developed uh, checklists and systems for running the business so that this transition is a little smoother? Exactly. We have. We Actually, we have a manual that we developed. And we have checklists for everything. So, for example, when we get a listing, we have a full checklist. There's probably like 40 or 50 things on the list. And you have to go down the list and make sure you do everything. When we have a price change, another checklist. When we have a listing, another checklist. We turn in a sale, the other checklist. You know, so everything is very organized. So even though this agent, who, this assistant who's starting, uh, who happens to be also licensed, my, both my, assist, my current and my old assistant are license. They know, you know, how to work the MLS. They know how to work the contracts and zip forms. They know how to use DocuSign. They know all of the basics, but they don't know how I operate. And so that's where the training is. And I mean, we thought a week would be enough, but I think it's going to go into next week because there's so much for her to learn. We're very, very organized. When you organize these systems and have these systems, are they hard copy in a manual or are they computerized in some type of software? It's just, you know, for the one assistant and we have the pages on the computer, but it's also in a manual. Do you use uh, computer software to help manage your database and help run the tasks on the team? And if so, which one? I'm currently using Microsoft Office 365. And it's a sharing platform, and it's just with my assistant. So she shares my calendar. We both can access it in our phones and on our computers or anywhere because you can just log in and, and access it. But it's really nice because we have it all with us at all times. We also use the Dropbox. And what we've done with that is for every single listing, it goes in the Dropbox. Every single piece of paper, you know, every, every disclosure, every form, every contract, 
goes in the Dropbox. They're all labeled. It's super easy to find anything. So if we're out and, and somebody asks us a question, we can just go into our phone and go look up that document and give them the answer right there. So that's been a really, really good system. We also send out email blasts, and we do have a database of people in there. That mainly is, it consists of agents. We have about 5,000 email addresses of agents. When we get a new client, we put them in there, and so all our new and old clients are in there. And then we have attorneys, business managers, CPAs. So when we send out an email blast to everybody, whether it be we have a new listing, here's a price reduction, we have an open house this weekend. We not only send it to agents, but we send it to, to everybody else. I mean, if they don't want to get them, they can unsubscribe, but, you know, we send those out every week. You mentioned you have 5,000 agents on your email list. How many past clients? You said you have a client list? Well, I don't know how many are in there now because, like, we get a new listing, we always add somebody. So there's probably several hundred clients in there. You also mentioned you have doctors, I think doctors and attorneys and business yeah, managers. And, how, yeah, anybody how? that we, you know, meet that we have like a relationship with a business manager or CPAs or attorneys, we just add them all to that uh, database. So they'll get our blast showing, uh, you know, what new listings we have. They might know somebody who's looking for a house or it just puts us in front of them every, every week. Do you know how many people you have those professionals on that list? Do you, can you estimate that number? I really haven't checked lately, but I'm, I'm going to guess of probably a few hundred altogether. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. One of the other sources of your business, your lead generation, is coming from your past clients and sphere of influence. Let's talk a little bit about that. Do you have a database of past clients and sphere of influence, and how many people are in it? This is one area that I probably need to work on, (laughs) but I do have probably a couple thousand people in my you know, Outlook, you know, contacts, which is a lot of, obviously, sphere and past clients. Periodically, what I do is I just start at A and I just start calling. And I, I need to do that more because that's really the best way to generate business is to call old clients and to just say hello and see what's new and do they know anybody who wants to buy or sell a house or, you know. And sometimes when I make those calls, I get a lead. You know, they, oh, yeah, my daughter's looking for this, or I know somebody, you know, so I need to do that more. That's something that I've been a little bit lax with. Thank you for opening up. I find that often. Thank you for for telling us what's really happening so people have a good picture. And so it sounds like it's an area you want to work on and develop. And currently what's happening is that when you get a little free time here or there, you're making some calls into the database, but you don't have a formal structured plan for going after that business. Is that correct? I don't have a formal structured plan, but about 10 years ago, I had decided to take my business to the next level and I hired a coach, and he helped me with a lot of things. And one of the things 
that he hammered to me was to call, call, call. Like every day, close the door, don't take any calls and just call. And that's, you know, you get busy during the day, you're doing your business. And, you know, I come into the office every day. I'm here early. I mean, like today's a Thursday. It's not real busy in the office. There's, I'm looking out the door. There's probably, you know, I have a private office in here, but, you know, there's a handful of people here. So most agents I don't find come in and really work. So I try to be disciplined and come in, but it's like you get busy with the deals and doing the day-to-day things that you're working on. And so the prospecting is what I should be doing. And I'm going to, that's going to be something that I'm going to try to do more of because it definitely works. Do you have any mail outs that you send out to your past clients? Mm, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be a good thing to do too. (laughs) Sure, but you are receiving business and referrals from past clients in Sphere of Influence. How do those happen? Do they just happen because people remember you or they see your image around town? Yeah, I think it's because they remember me and they were happy with the job I did. Or if it's a Sphere, it's just somebody that knows me and knows that, that I'm good at what I do. So that's how it happens. There have been times when I actually door knocked myself I'll share one little story with you. I got a call one time from a man who said that his father had recently passed away. And he said, when he was cleaning out his safe deposit box, he found my scratch pad. <laughs> and he said, I guess my dad was trying to send me a message. So he listed the house with me. <laughs> so, and that's when I dropped scratch pads, you know, door to door. So I could do that more, too. And I could have my team do that. So, you know, that would be, you know, drop things in the neighborhood sounds like you've got a business that's clipping along and closing, you know, 30 some transactions a year, year after year, the 30, 40, 45 million dollar mark is just happening over and over again. And I'm trying to look at what the driver of that is. It looks like because you have past clients in sphere of the community and you've kept your name out in front of the community through your geographic farming and your community outreach through the, the bus benches, the banners at the Little League games and the schools and the theater, anything else that you're doing in the marketing arena to bring in those leads? I think we pretty much covered that. I can't think of anything else that, other than what we've talked about. Do you own Rodeo Realty? No. No, I do have a broker's license, and I could be my own real estate company, but I've never done that. I've always worked for a company. I've been with Rodeo since, 2008. And before that, I was with Cobalt Baker for 20 years. Let me go back for a minute to luxury and luxury homes. You work in the luxury market. If you had a new agent walk into your office today and say, hey, Carol, I want to go into the luxury home market. I want to become a luxury home agent. How would you advise them? I'm not sure that that's a good idea to just automatically think you can start out in the luxury market. I think you just need to start out a little smaller and build up. I mean, unless you have connections, like your husband's, uh, you know, knows people. I mean, if you know people, like you have a sphere, like say you, your your kids go to a classy private school <laughs> and you have connections and you know maybe through your husband or through your church or, or whatever, and you want to market to those people and they're, you know, in the luxury bracket, yeah. But I think just starting out, I don't think you should start out that, you know, just thinking that you're going to break into the luxury market. There's a lot of competition. People generally would want 
an experienced agent. I'd say that if somebody does, is starting out and they want to do that, they should probably team up because, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I have many agents who call me and they say, you know, I have a lead on a listing. I know this person, but they're not a very successful agent. So they might call me and say, would you go on the appointment with me? Because they'd rather get the listing and get half of it than get none of it. So that's a good way to start out. So I have done that. I have, you know, had many agents call me and I, you know, split the listing with them. How did you move into the luxury market? You said in the beginning, even though you were working in Beverly Hills, when you first started, you weren't selling the luxury homes. How did you make that transition? I worked in Beverly Hills for a few years, and then I moved to the Valley and just concentrated on the Valley. And I guess it's just as, just as my business got better and my name was more visible, and then I'd get one luxury listing, and then I'd sell that, and then I'd get another one. So it just kind of snowballed. So when they see your signs up and you start, they start seeing sales and you start sending out a postcard that you just sold this property, then it, it'll generate other business. You mentioned that you added to your farm area by adding into the more expensive areas when you start expanding your farm and sending out that mail. It wasn't that I expanded to the expensive areas. I just I started in an expensive, you know, a fairly expensive neighborhood, and I just added more of those neighborhoods. I, you know, because Encino has a pretty big, broad spectrum of homes. You know, you can buy a home for five or six hundred thousand or a condo, and then you can buy a five and a half million dollar property. But those are in all different neighborhoods. Carol, are you profitable? Oh, most definitely. Would you mind sharing with us? what your profit margin is? I would say it's probably 75-80%. Has it always been that high or did you have to work on that? It's pretty much always been that high. When I was referring to when I was with coaching, when the first 20 or so odd years, 30 years in this business, I did it all myself and I had no assistant. And then I started coaching. And the first thing he told me was to get an assistant. So I did and I've had one ever since. And the other thing that he helped me with was obviously expanding my business, trying to get me to prospect more, trying you know, to increase my business. And he also helped me with getting a higher commission. And so all of those things kind of put me up to the next level, which is what I wanted to do. I always considered myself to be a really, really good agent, and I just thought, why are other people doing more business than me? Why are they making more money than me? I can do that. And so I needed a little direction. I hired a coach, and he kind of helped me with all those things. And I coached for about a year, and that was it. And I don't have a coach now. That brings up a really interesting point. You were able to increase your commission. And when you say increase your commission, do you mean because you moved up into the higher-priced homes? Or do you mean because you were able to charge a higher percentage than, say, your competitors? I was able to charge a higher percentage. How did you achieve that? He kind of helped me with scripts and dialogues to use with people. And, you know, it's really funny. So I was talking about this guy that's new on my team. And, you know, he, he had another listing lead. And he's been talking to the people. And they just told him, we had an appointment the other night, and so he, they told him there's no way they're paying more than 5%. So 
So, and we just sold the house across the street for them, and it went with multiple offers, and it went for 100000 over the asking price. So we went on the appointment, and I had all the listing papers filled out at 6%, and they looked at it, and they looked at each other, and, and then she looks at me, and she says, we're not paying 6%. I thought, you know, Philip told you that. And so I said, well, you saw what we did with the house across the street, and, you know, you could hire any novice, you know, who just got their license for 5% and look at all the extra things we're providing for you. And it's not really what you pay, it's what you're going to end up with in the end. We just showed them, you know, the photography we do, the website, the great marketing, everything we do, and we walked away with a 6% listing. So everyone is different, and I won't say that I get it every time, and I probably lost some listings because of it. But I do get most listings at 6%. And then another thing that I do is I keep three and a half. We put it in the MLS at two and a half. Whenever I can, that's, that's what we try to do. Is it common in the area for the other agents to receive two and a half, the co-op agent? Yes, because almost every agent just automatically just says the fee is 5%. Nobody really tries to get six. And the funny thing is, is that a lot of times you just fill it out, you go there and you get it and they never even question it. So, I mean, it's, a, it's amazing. But, you know, I'd say more, more than not, people kind of, if they've interviewed a couple other agents, they know that most agents are just throwing up. In our area, that's just a common percentage that people list at. You have really gone above the typical commission in your area. Commissions are, of course, negotiable, but there, there tends to be an area that people end up landing in on, and you're a bit above that. And it sounds like you're able to get it because you use a presumptive close. You assume it's going to happen. You write it into your paperwork before you go. You have dialogue prepared for justifying why you're doing it. Is it just a mindset? You know that that's what you want to have happen? It's a confidence. It's, it's, I'm worth it. And I'm, I know that I'm, I, I provide that extra value to them. So whatever they're going to pay, it doesn't matter. It's what they're going to end up with in their pocket. And I've seen so many agents screw it up. And so, you know, they end up with less money. They don't know how to do multiple offers to get the seller the most money. They 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 just don't know what they're doing and uh, this they sell the house before they've really exposed it enough to get the multiple offers they don't know how to treat the multiple offers i've taken a couple of courses in negotiations so one of them was at a pepperdine university there's a uh, school of law and they uh, attorneys go there when they want to become mediators and arbitrators they have courses so many years ago, one of the real estate companies I worked for, they had a course for realtors, and they taught us a lot of the techniques. So I took the course. And then when I was at Cobalt Banker, I took another course to become a certified negotiator. So besides that, all of the experience that I have. And it's not just negotiating the commission. It's negotiating the offers. And then in our market, you know, after you sell the house and you put it in escrow and the buyer does their inspections, you know, there's often a request for another negotiation. And that's where I come in too. So I know that I save my clients money because I'm a strong negotiator. And I know how to help people get a house because I'm a strong negotiator. People want to work with us and work with our buyers because we, we prepare a great offer that they, you know, another offer might be written sloppily and the agent doesn't have any credibility. And so, you know, they want to work with us. 
Sounds like you've used that speech before. You tell that to the seller who's about to hire you in the listing appointment. Yeah, because I believe it. I believe I'm worth it. And I believe I provide that added value to them. I mean, it's just like, you know, if you need an attorney, you'd go to the best attorney. If you needed an operation, you'd go to the best doctor. You'd, you, you know, you'd go to the best CPA if you want the best, the best. You know, if you need an attorney to get you out of some problem, you, you wouldn't go to somebody who just became an attorney. So, you know, and you pay, you pay more for that. So I feel it's the same thing in real estate. You mentioned that majority of the time, the seller in this case, we've been talking about listings, they'll accept your commission structure and move forward with you. Exactly. I, I even had one where after we closed escrow, he sent me a huge present, <laughs> monetary <laughs> present. <laughs> Go buy yourself something for Christmas. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, you know, really, if, if you do a good job for them and you get them a great price and you handle everything and they see that you're doing that, they don't mind paying you. The other thing that came through when you were talking is that it sounds like you use a lot of examples. You said, look at what we just did on the home across the street where we got the extra 100000 That's proof of what I'm saying, that I really can negotiate for more. Yes, I always use examples. And, you know, so I'll bring some examples, some of the letters that are from the client's site, you know, the examples. So they see that we've done it on other. I mean, I had one sale this year that was listed for a million four ninety nine, and it sold for a million seven twenty five. And uh, I had another one that was a million nine ninety nine that sold for over one two. The market's always going to correct itself, and they're going to get what they're going to get. And sometimes just underpricing it slightly makes that kind of frenzy and bidding war. And then it's how you handle the offers and the bids, and how you, you know, negotiate that you can get them the people up because nobody knows what they're competing with, whether there's lower offers, higher offers, the same offers. So that is just the strategy of dealing with those offers. When you go out on the listing appointment, do you have a comparison chart between yourself and say the average agent in your MLS where you compare your average list to sales price ratio or average days on the market? I have done that. I don't have it specific, but Usually, when I bring the comps, you know, for the house that I'm uh, going out on the appointment on, there will be in the mix of the comps, you know, my listings and then the other agent listings. So I'll say, look, I sold this one and look how I did and look at the market time and look how, how much it sold over and then compared to these other listings. But it's not a set thing. I just, you know, prepare it at, for that, that appointment. As you said, you got a lot of gumption, you got a lot of confidence, and it's coming through. You mentioned to us early in our conversation that you sold the highest price home in the area at $5.5 million. I'm sure that comes into the conversations as well to show people that you have something of substance because we're selling a service. We're not selling a product. It's, it's not tangible, so we have to use words to describe what we're doing for folks. Right. And in that presentation book I was talking about, for example, I have a lot of things that I did on that house. So, for example, we had it in all the social media, and then I also had it as, as, uh, in the Los Angeles Times as home of the week. It's not something you can get really easily, but, you know, I, like, pushed the person, and I said, this is a great house. You should put it in here, and I was able to get it in. It was on CNBC. Somebody called me. You know, after the, it, it was in there, then I got a call from CNBC, and they did something on it. So there was a lot of publicity on the house. Then I had another house that I sold that was an NBA basketball player's house this year, 
And so that was in the LA Times, and you know we have a section called Hot Properties, and so that was in there. You know he was on the Lakers, and so that uh, was in my portfolio. So these kinds of things, you know, I show to people, you know, that what kind of marketing we do and how we promote the properties. If somebody came to you and said, "I want to be a great negotiator just like you," do you have any advice for them? I know that there are some courses you can take. I think there is a designation you can get through NAR for a negotiation class. I haven't taken that specific one, but any of those classes are good. Any rules that you use in negotiation? You know, some of the old ones are the person who speaks first loses. So wait and hear what all the information is on the other side first. Anything you use? I think that's a good one, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It's true. The person is, you don't really know what's, what's on the seller's mind. And when you're presenting an offer, um, you know, just like what I was bringing up the, the point about the commission, I mean, you don't know what's in their mind or how much they know. So if you go in there saying, yeah, what's your commission? 5%. Okay, they're going to sign. If what's your commission? 6%, maybe they'll sign too. They don't know. So, you know, why would you hit yourself in the foot and take it at 5 if you could have gotten it at 6 and because I've had clients say, what's your commission, six? And I go, yes. You know, I mean, so you don't really know what they're thinking. So just a strong uh, strong position on that that I take, just kind of nonchalant. When I go there, I have all the listing paperwork pre-printed out. We also have a form that is part of our listing packet that is like a net sheet, and it's just an estimate of how much they're going to get after they sell their house. And it includes, this, like on the form, it's pre-printed and it says 6%, and then it has the percentage for all their closing costs, and then you add it, and it's a calculation, and you show it to them. So usually that's what I do. I said, this is what your total closing cost is going to be, including your commission. I didn't even mention the amount. And it's printed on the form. And then I show them what their net is, and sometimes they just sign, and they, you know, they think that's fine. When you go out to your listing presentation, do you present a lot of information to them in a a lecture format, or do you open up more and ask a lot of questions to find out where they're at? I have a presentation book that I use, and I keep saying I'm going to move it over to like a computer or iPad kind of thing, but I haven't done that. But it's basically a, a large portfolio, and I start out by saying I'd like to tell you a little bit about me and how I would market your house. Usually before I sit down and open that book, I've had some dialogue with them about why they're thinking of selling, are they scaling down, kids are grown, they want, you know, downsizing, moving out of the area, divorce, you know, whatever it is. Usually we have that conversation before I sit down. So then I start with the book and it goes through, the first part is just telling them about me, my education, my experience, um, the courses that I've taken throughout my career, you know, the negotiation courses. I've also taken architectural courses. So I've, you know, studied the different styles of homes and architecture. Then I show them all the community things I do. There's pictures of the bus benches and the billboards and the, you know, the the banners and, you know, there's some sample postcards. And then I talk to them about our company. You know, we're the largest independent real estate company in the state of California. I talk about me being number one, you know, in the company in in my whole area. Then I pull out a folder and go through, oh, and then the letters. I show them, like, the advertising, what I'm going to do, the website. I show them some samples of the photography. I show them the write-ups. The last thing in the, in the back are all the letters. And so I usually have them look at just a few of the letters. 
that's appropriate for them that they could relate to. And then I take out another folder where I have the comps and we talk about the price. And then I say, okay, ready to get started. And I pull out the listing pages. And if they are, then we sign it up. If not, you know, sometimes it's something they're not quite ready and hope that they decide to choose me. You know, sometimes they interview a few agents. But you make that assumption. You say, are you ready to get started? And you're assuming they're ready to move forward. Oh, yeah. I try to get the listing. You know, I always have my assistant prepare all the listing paperwork, all the disclosures, and I take them with me on the appointment. So they're all ready. If I need to have them signed and filled out, they're with me. How long does your listing presentation typically take? The appointments are usually an hour. If they decide to sign, it could be two hours because then we go over all the details. They decide to move forward. You dig in and explain the contract, the listing agreement, and how that's all going to play out in more detail. You'll take that extra hour up front to make sure that they know what's going to happen next. Well, I go through each page. I explain what they're signing. I help them fill out their disclosures. Then I talk to them about the next steps, which I tell them the first thing we do is we're going to schedule the photographer. I find out when's a good day. I tell them, you know, when do you want it to come out? You know, so we kind of, we tell them what days are caravan, what days are, you know, open houses. And we kind of figure that all out. And then, you know, just basically tell them briefly about the marketing schedule. But I tell them that I'm going to get back to them with the full schedule. I make sure I get all their email addresses and their phone numbers and come back to the office, hand it to my assistant. She processes all the paperwork. We put them in our contacts. We set everything up. We have a regular communication with them. Like every ad we send out, we send them a copy. When there's a showing, we call to get feedback. We give them the feedback. When there's an open house, I make sure everybody that sits on my open house, at the end of the day, they send me an email. We had 20 people come through. Three were neighbors. Four were brokers showing. You know, three we have to follow up with. And then I kind of cut and paste that and send them an email. Here's what happened at your open house today. The common complaint people have about their agent is they never hear from them, but they hear from us a lot. You know, when we put their website up, we send them a link to it. Here's your beautiful new website. So they get a lot of communication from us. Carol, what drives you? I'm very self-motivated. I'm very competitive. Like I said, I, I actually was number one at Rodeo Realty from the moment I joined the company until last year. There was an agent in the Beverly Hills office who sold a $70 million house, and he beat me. <laughs> so I've always been wanting to be number one. So I'm number one right now in the entire San Fernando Valley. And if that changed, I would be very upset. So I'm constantly trying to increase my numbers and and get up there. I like to travel. And so when I'm here and I'm working, I'm working like consistently. And I really do a lot of the work. Even though I have an assistant and I have a team, I overlook everything. Even when I go away, I'm like, constantly connected to my email. I don't shut it off. I know that's probably a bad thing, but I would be worried and I couldn't be happy if I didn't know every little thing going on. And I do some of the things myself that an assistant should be doing. But it's just because I like doing it. I, I know how to do all the technical things myself. So there's a lot of agents who don't know how to send a DocuSign. They have their assistant do it. But, you know, like last night, I had an offer on a property, and I, I was at home at night working till 11 p.m., and I docu-signed it, and we, we signed off and accepted the offer. We opened escrow today. So, I mean, you know, my assistant's at home. I can't have her do it. You know, I mean, I could, but, you know, I just did it. So I think just 
because I like doing it and I'm involved in it, and I'm a perfectionist, I one thing I hate is if there's a spelling mistake or like in an ad or an incorrect number. So I always am looking over everything to make sure that everything is right. You mentioned earlier that you're working with your daughter in the business. She's been working with you for five years. How do you make that work? Some some of the agents listening, they want to work with one of their children in their business. You've obviously figured out how to make it work over five years. What's the secret to making that work? I'm still trying to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) That's the tough part, especially because she's a mom with two young kids that, you know, I kind of give her a little slack. (laughs) But I think now, you know, that we have a new assistant who just started and a couple new people on the team, and I've just told them we're going to start having weekly meetings, so she's going to be more involved. But you know, she's great, and uh, I love her to death, and, you know, I want her to do well, too. Just, you know, I started when I was young and built up my business, and I'm hoping one day she can continue it. <laughs> Is one of your goals for her to take over your business? Well, eventually. I mean, you know, look, you can figure out by how long I've been doing this, kind of how old I am, <laughs> but I don't say, okay, in five years I'm going to retire. I don't I really don't even think about that at all. I I think that I'm going to be working until I can't work anymore. I'm going to be one of those little old realtors with the cane, you know. (laughs) But um, that's why kind of I like having the younger people on my team because they keep me young. (laughs) So it's it's not like I'm not energetic and I don't have the the drive because I do. What I started doing is traveling more. So, you know, my husband and I are taking, you know, two really nice long trips a year minimum. Just got back from one, and I've got two booked, and I always book them way in advance. So I have two big trips booked for for next year already. So I'm going to go to Australia in February and New Zealand, and then in next September I'm doing a trip that starts in Amsterdam and goes down the coast to Belgium and France, Bordeaux and Portugal, and ends in Barcelona. So, I, you know, I have a bucket list, and there's all these places I want to go. So I'm, that's another one of my passions. So I have to sell a lot of real estate to do all of that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and have a good team, so I feel okay going away. <laughs> How long are those trips for? Are they for a week, two weeks, three weeks? They're now like two to three weeks. But you said you stay in constant communication, so there's somewhere where you still have access to the internet, the phone, and you can you can touch base with the team. Yep, I have a laptop that's been all over the world. <laughs> so I take it with me everywhere. It's got all my programs on it and everything, and I am always make sure I have a call plan so I can call and text. And I've had, you know, situations where I've had to call, you know, when I'm away, so to a client. And, you know, they like hearing from me and they know that I'm, they know I'm on vacation and that I'm still in contact with them. They're, they're pretty impressed. So that's the, I think the one good thing about why I did want to develop more of a team and it's kind of new is because that will give me the freedom to go away more and feel comfortable that I could delegate and leave some things, you know, with them to do. Well, Carol, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting into business, what would you tell them to do first? I would tell them to to just do the basics because they haven't changed since I started. You should pick one thing, and whether it's door knocking or farming or teaming up with somebody, your sphere, 
that's what I did when I started, and I still do it today. So it's it's it hasn't changed. You know, I I don't think you should try to do everything. I think you should find one thing and kind of stick to it for a while, and you'll realize that farming is something that takes years to really get going. It's like if you pick a farm with 250 houses and you start mailing there and you start door knocking there, and then when you get a listing there, you get a sold sign, you send another postcard, and then you knock on the door and tell them you just sold this house and you drop off pumpkins at Halloween or whatever you do in that neighborhood, and you just start small. And you pick one thing that you like. If you have a big sphere, you do that. Carol, do you think that top agent interviews like the one we're doing now with Mastermind Agent are valuable? I do. When I was, you know, newer in the business, I always went to classes and listened to speakers and so forth. And, um, you know, like I, I mentioned that I did coaching. I've been asked to speak at some of the coaching events in front of, uh, you know, a large audience of, of agents, and I like doing it. And I just, like this year, we had our annual Realtor Expo in our in San Fernando Valley, and, you know, thousands of people attend, and there was a panel of four top producers. I was on the panel. I mean, I like helping people, and that's another thing, too. I think a lot of agents are not nice, <laughs> and people remember it, and I've just always throughout my entire career, I've always been helpful. People come in my office all the time. They say they have a question about something or whatever. And then I always get people who want me to co-list with them or they have a referral that they want me to work with them. And that's the reason. And that's why agents have chosen me to list their own houses because, you know, I have that reputation. I have that reputation in the community. Whereas an agent who's not nice, you remember that agent. You know, so I, I do think that's good. Well, Carol, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? I just think it's good to get as much education as you can and just realize this business takes time to build up. I mean, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. You kind of have to have some money in the bank to support yourself until you get your first check. You know, it is strictly commission. Sometimes it's good to maybe join a team and be a buyer's agent and learn the ropes that way or partner up with somebody maybe who's experienced. Like I said, it's better to get half a listing than to go on a listing appointment and have them tell you, well, we didn't choose you because you're new and you didn't know what you were doing, you know. So, and somebody else gets it. And it could be somebody you know. It could be, you know, like a good, good lead, but you might lose it because of that. So... You know, I did that in the beginning, and I, I just think that works. I mean, for me, it's just that I've always wanted to be the best realtor. So that's why it's no, nobody does it better. That's my slogan, and I, I strive to do that even more now than ever. Well, Carol, nobody does it better. You developed a clean, simple, profitable practice with high profit margins by selling the luxury homes you love. You've risen to the top due to your competitive nature, negotiating skills, friendly demeanor, and genuine desire to help your clients achieve their goals. Your desire to mentor your daughter and teach her your systems is admirable. Thank you for sharing and being our top agent of the month. And join us next call when we talk to an agent who ran an old team in an old market while he moved to a new market to start a new team. Find out who he is on the next success call. 
If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television, and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.